Changing Lanes, the official podcast of BMW. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Changing Lanes. My name is Nikki Shields and I am particularly excited about this episode because, well, we have basically got BMW royalty in the house. Uh, just to give you a little bit of an idea about who our special guest is on this show. He initially started working as a freelance graphic designer for record labels and design agencies. Uh, he then moved on and worked at various industrial design studios prior to his graduation as a designer in 2003. Am I giving you some clues here? He then joined the BMW group as an exterior designer uh, in the same year um, and continued working for BMW. From 2009, he was part of the team assembled to create the BMW i products and brand. I'm giving you some more clues here. Um, and then from 2013 to 2016, he headed up the BMW Group's advanced design studio. But most recently, on the 1st of July, 2019, he took over responsibility for design at BMW i. Can you guess who our special guest is? Yes, it is indeed the very talented Kai Langer. Uh, Kai, welcome. Hopefully I got that little introduction right for you. <laughs> I'm sure there's lots to discuss, though, that I missed out along the way. <laughs> Yeah, thank you, Nikki. Thank you for the invitation. That that was a very good introduction. Didn't know that I'm that interesting. Yeah, it was. But, yeah, thank you. Thank you very much. No, well, that's we're just touching on the surface there. We're uh, we're going to get all the nitty gritty from you and uh, you know what you've been involved in over over your career. But obviously, most recently, of course, as your position as head of design at BMW i, which is very very exciting. That's very exciting indeed. Yeah, I have a lot to do and days becoming very, very interesting and uh, exhausting, I have to say, even more these days because we have a lot of things to, uh, to show. And uh, yeah, that's the reason why we are here and together today to talking about what we just recently showed to the public. Yeah, absolutely. There's been lots of lots of uh, big launches recently when it comes to the BMW i brand. That's actually quite a nice way to start. I wasn't going to start with that first question, but I would love to know, Kai, what is a typical day for you? And thanks, by the way, for making time for us because I know you do have a really busy schedule. But what is the a typical day for head of BMW i design? <laughs> oh, that's uh, that's a very interesting question i answered it already last time and i'm actually glad to answer it again because it changes indeed from day to day and i am not saying what i said already uh, last time because from last time it changed again yeah <laughs> very <laughs> interesting for, for, yeah very interesting yeah uh, last time i said i uh, actually want to make every day around to my team but obviously during the current time it's not possible because i would not see them so what i <laughs> do instead is i give them a call this is what we do nowadays uh, we call nice. each other yeah. um, but at least i can hear them uh, yeah, there is some uh, daily business to do. So doing some emails, uh, actually, I can say I get more emails than I actually want to have. Some of them are pretty nasty, actually. Uh, there's a lot of uh, system stuff that I have to do. And then there's a lot of stuff that I uh, actually have to answer just to get things running. Yeah, and then there's like slowly then the really interesting things uh, to start up, like really taking care about the products and the creative things uh, that we have to take care about in the different stages because we have 
multiple projects running. Some are already in a phase where we are like close to get them done, to finish them up. Yeah. And of course, we're thinking about like the last nuts and bolts in these projects. And others, they're like in the starting phase where we are like discussing sketches and like really talking about a feel of products and about like the pure emotions of the products. And this is what I actually really like. I'm yeah. talking with the same people oh, no. about like what I can say about what kind of screws we are using, you know. And on the other side is like what kind of dynamic we want to achieve with that design. So this is actually my daily business, having these balance. And that's quite a dynamic in between hours of a day. These are my typical days. Clearly a job that you um, absolutely love and thrive in. Uh, <laughs> and must be quite hard in the pandemic trying to keep an eye on what the rest of your team are doing all remotely. But I know as well as obviously having an amazing job as head of iDesign, I've got in my notes here your age. I feel a bit rude sharing this. I'm not quite sure I would like it if someone shared my age with everyone listening. <laughs> but well, I'll just go with you're in your 40s. <laughs> you're a dad of two kids. And you've obviously always been interested in design and creating things, whatever that may be, uh, since you started your career and, and even sort of in the early days. Um, but what else? Is there anything else? If we wanted to get to know Kyle Langer, what else should we know, should our listeners know about you? I'm a bit careful about like what people should know. I don't know if people should know something about me. I don't know if, <laughs> if I'm that interesting. What would you like if... them to know? What would you like yeah, them to know? <laughs> I mean... <laughs> Yeah, I love what I do. Um, I actually love to share it with the people around me here in the company. I love to share it with my team because it's not about me. Um, yes, we are sitting together. I'm talking uh, with you. You talk with me. But it is not about me. Basically, I can say I'm sitting here as a representative because I'm working with a team. It's not me doing everything there. It's like... I see things that we can use to do these products, you know. Um, I'm working with people who have great ideas. I'm surrounded by people with great ideas. I'm surrounded by people who have really great minds and are super smart and clever. And the only thing that I have to do is I have to see these clever ideas. And the only thing I have to do is like to pick these smart ideas and to pick the right smart ideas and put mm -hmm. them together into the right product for the right answers. This is the only thing I have to do. And uh, that is actually kind of easy. <laughs> yeah. And the others come to the great ideas, you know. So the only thing I have to do is I have to pick the right ones together to the product that I estimate is the right answer for our customers and for the future. It's the only thing I do. <laughs> Nothing about it. So um, what could people know? I'm interested. I'm curious about what is happening around me. I'm curious about what's happening with the world, even more today. And I, um, I actually, I feel that we have to take more responsibilities more than ever since, actually, uh, that companies have to take responsibilities. And actually, I really like what BMW is heavily communicating uh, right now, that uh, we actively take these responsibilities with our products uh, to save the environment and, and uh, uh, fulfill regulations and go even further. Is what mm -hmm. I really like, because we, we simply have to do and we have the possibilities. I mean, we have the, the, the power to do so. 
Yeah, I mean, you know, I mentioned there you're you're a father of two kids. I'm sure they're uh, both very intrigued about the environment and sustainability and what we should all be doing to protect our planet. So are they proud of your job? <laughs> do they understand what you do? I don't know how old your kids are. They do. And uh, they are six and nine. Yeah, they're on their way. They understand everything quite well. And yeah. uh, they're pretty critical with my job. I have to say, they're not running around and say, oh, Papa, you're doing everything so well and you saved the world. They, they go and like, uh-huh. did you really think about that? And why there are still cars uh, with like combustion engines? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Why are you still doing this? They're pretty critical. They're seriously critical. And that's good like that because they have to go nasty on all these things. They really have to push me on this. This is what the next generation has to do. Yeah, and I absolutely. support them on this one. Yeah, your kids are always going to be your uh, greatest uh, critics, aren't they? They're always yeah, yeah, going to yeah. give you an honest answer of what of, they're thinking. Of course, Keep you on your toes. Of course, of course. yeah. <laughs> um, but I think, uh, as you mentioned earlier, um, you obviously did another episode of Changing Lanes with Jonathan. Um, and I think he mentioned a phrase which I really loved, from comics to cars, <laughs> because I think you started out uh, designing, well, drawing comics, designing record covers, and, and now obviously you've moved into the automotive world. And what is it about cars that got you ticking, that got you excited? Because obviously they're very different <laughs> to designing record covers. <laughs> yeah, obviously it's different. Obviously it's it's totally different. Um First of all, one thing is like 2D, the other thing is 3D. Uh, cars, on one hand, is actually the coolest or let's say the biggest product that you could design where people like really stepping into and it's a mass product that's like built in a volume, in a big volume uh, where people like sitting inside and really interact like with the full body. The next thing where people interact with the full body are like uh, uh, buildings. You know, yeah. you have to become an architect. But this, this is not uh, a mass volume. That's then yeah. one house, right? Yeah. But cars is a mass volume product where people fully interact with, with their full body, right? It's like a immersive experience that people do. Uh, so that's a task. That's a task you, you can do as a, as a designer. And it's three-dimensional so you have to go in all dimension you have to consider all dimensions with it uh graphic design it's like two dimension of course it's like piece of paper and you go two dimension it's it's more on a psychological side it goes way more in, on the psychological side but when it comes to uh like the emotional side there are similarities when i think about you just mentioned the comic thing you know when i think about comics and you uh you want to provoke emotions first of all cars a car is is when it comes to industrial design the most emotional product that you could see you would agree with me when i say a car is more emotional than a coffee machine or a toaster right mm -hmm. yeah I don't know how it will be in the future, but today it is. Although I do feel quite emotional about my coffee machine. If it was taken away from me, I would cry. But. <laughs> yes, but maybe for other reasons. Yeah, I, I would too. <laughs> but at least from my side, for different reasons Yeah. than, than for a car. They're like, this is a moment we need a coffee break now. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, this is what happens when we're both in our home studios. There's no one there. We can't click our fingers. No one's there to provide us with the coffee. Got to go make <laughs> no. it ourselves. Yeah, that's, that's, that's sad. Um, <laughs> anyway, back 
drive the cars. Yeah. <laughs> Back to the emotional side of it. When we talk about comics, um, to provide uh, emotions in comics, for example, you talk about black and white, you talk about shadow and sun. And when you think about Frank Miller, for example, I don't know if you're familiar with Frank Miller, 300, uh, Batman, black and white story and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, he's like a master of the black and white, how you set the lighting and, and you get emotion with like uh, a dark sun and like long shadows and you create a strong emotion, like really strong emotions with like, oh, that's a bit scary. It's something that you could see in these old uh, uh, noir films, you know, it's like uh, it's very strong tensional, uh, kind of like dark emotions. You can mm -hmm. see that in Cars as well when you when you set a volume like really deep inside and you catch a lot of shadow there and a strong highlight on top of it, you know. Wow. There you really find similarities, like right? Fascinating. You can play with that and this is like something because the emotion psychologically works the same way. You know, where you feel like some sort of like intrigued, dark mm -hmm. feeling like, oh, this is becoming mystical. It gets like hard if you want to go into the love side, into the beauty side, you know, because then it becomes like harder, seriously harder. So you find the beautiful side is harder than the more yes, emotional, yes, dramatic side. It is. It is way harder. Okay. Why is that? I, I don't know because I'm not a psychologist, <laughs> but... Okay, if you if you go back to what people might could know about me, I had a previous life where I was like on a maybe semi-professional music side before I jumped into the design side. So I was touring around with a band and we did music and it was pretty hard music, right? And um, to express emotions through music, you get immediate response, right? Mm, yeah. And... Uh, Music is pure emotion. It's easy to express aggression with music, especially in rock music. That is kind of like easy. There's a certain amount of like chords you mm -hmm. can use on a guitar. It's a, it's, a, it's a specific kind of rhythm you can use. And therefore, you create like a certain amount of aggression. But to express beauty and love, that's like way harder. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. because really? the ingredients you have to use are way more subtle. They're not as direct than using the aggressive ones, you know. Everything that you use to express beautiness and love is way more subtle and way more distinctive in its, in its use mm -hmm. than super aggressive, dynamic. That's more straightforward you know yeah the obvious thing that springs to my mind slightly differently but is like when i drive certain cars uh i'm very aggressive behind the wheel um and i turn my music up very loudly and i drive like a bit of an idiot um but then there are some cars that i'll get into like an i3 um and i have a completely different feeling and it's like this calmness it's this serenity and i just sort of enjoy the calmness, I suppose, that you get from driving an electric car, but it doesn't just come from all electric cars. You know, obviously that's been fine-tuned over and over again, um, which is really interesting. So I guess that's one thing that you've kind of looking at when you're dealing with the BMW i design, that you're trying to draw out a certain emotion from someone when they get in the car and when they start driving. Uh, yes, we did. I can tell you because <laughs> I was around when we did the i3 back then and especially with the interior designer, I was like pretty close 
with him and we we exactly talked about this because you can go like crazy with this car because you obviously know that the i3 has an acceleration like oh, yeah. uh, like beats uh, your M4, doesn't it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You can go crazy with this one, uh, but you don't have to. And you beats an M4 from zero to thirty. I should just add that part. <laughs> 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 yeah. Just just zero to thirty. Just yeah, because, yeah, uh, yeah. Anyone thinks I'm crazy saying that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but but that, that that one goes quick, very quick. But you don't have to, and you don't feel you have to in this car. Um, because it's more like the easiness in the car and we designed it that way. You know, we, we designed it that you feel you don't have to, you feel more relaxed and you feel actually cool that you're not under pressure, that you have exactly. to act a certain way. Yeah. There are products that give you the feeling that you have to act in a certain way. Otherwise, you don't fulfill an expectation that this product might apply to you. You know, yeah. there are products that look like that yeah. you feel that you have to act in a certain way that people might expect from you while sitting in that product. That is yeah. kind of like complex, but... It's fascinating, though. It's actually a total psychological experiment. I realize I've been <laughs> I've been tricked all these years. Yeah, <laughs> all you know what? Liminal, me as well. Messaging. And, and yeah. the thing is, like me as well, it's like I, I get tricked the same way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, it's oh. like, but we all get tricked that way. Yeah, and it's, it's been really, done by, really by people like me. <laughs> so right okay so you're the one that we need to hold no, but, accountable but the, for this <laughs> but, yeah but the thing is like that's not the way we do it at bmwi this is what i want to say is like we want to be honest with these things and we 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 really think that our product shouldn't be like that mm. we want to be more honest yeah yeah but it's a it's a nice feeling to have like you know you don't want to get into a car and feel aggressive and feel uh, like you've got to drive fast. You want to actually get in a car and enjoy the whole experience, whether you're sitting in traffic or not. You want that calmness and the serenity because that just brings a sense of sort of mindfulness that, you know, is what I feel at the moment is every demographic is looking for. Everyone needs that that moment of time to themselves and actually sitting in your car and driving is that opportunity for that or it can yeah. be. Honestly, we want to give you the choice if you want to. We don't yeah, want true. to force you to be aggressive in your driving behavior because we want to give you the choice if you yeah. want to be relaxed or if you want to go full steam. I mean, I know how much fun it is to go <laughs> full steam if you want to. Yeah, you know, yeah. It's like I do as well if I want to. But <laughs> exactly. at least I want to have the choice and not one uh, sitting in the car and like, oh, now I have to because the car looks like this. No, actually, <laughs> not. I, I, I simply... Like when you want, want to, to. Yeah. yeah i mean definitely when the lights go green at the traffic lights less less calm <laughs> <laughs> yeah why not um, so tell me a bit more i mean it's so fascinating to hear actually you know just the yeah the the psychological side of all of this but what can you tell us i know this is a, a big question so it's probably quite difficult to break it down but you know the eye design process where does it begin i mean i guess if we look at the eye cars what was it was it the i i'm probably getting this wrong but uh you can correct me i3 um, I8, then obviously we've got now the I4, the IX, the I IX3, we have, yes. exactly. I mean, that is an amazing sort of catalogue already of fully electric cars. But how do you go from just having the I3 to then having this, you know, incredible sort of extensive number of models? 
So how we go with all these different projects in our process, you mean? Yeah, when it comes to the design, you know, yeah. I'm sure someone's like, right, can you build us the i4, please? <laughs> <laughs> so before we come to the i4 in particular, I have to say like uh, any product uh, or project in, in BMW i, we start the same way. Because since the beginning with BMW i, we are about pioneering, right? We started... 2006, 2007 with this uh, Project I. I mean, you, you're you familiar with it. I mean, that That's was amazing, like, isn't it? So ahead of the curve. So ahead of everyone else. Project I. And it was about pioneering. Pioneering about like future mobility in general. They didn't know what it is about, you know, and it ended up in like BMW I and uh, the pioneering of elf electromobility for the BMW group. The pioneering thinking uh, still there and uh, every project that we start is been under our statements of like pioneering sustainability pioneering aesthetics and ultimately human so these let's say uh, strategy statements are always there so every project is beginning with these strategy statements and everything that we do starting with the sketches is been like proved and balanced between these strategy statements. It's like pioneering sustainability, pioneering aesthetics, and ultimately human. It's like everything has to like uh, work towards these goals, mission statements, or whatever you want to call it. So, so these are our primarily like, ideas where to design for. And beside that, we know what we do it for. You know, we don't do it for ourselves. We pioneer for for design. So everything what we do is like, we have to go the step further for design. We have to pioneer for our customers. We have to pioneer also for the company. Everything is do the step forward for the company, for customers, for the design, and also for our colleagues and for ourselves. I mean, we find out things that we didn't know yesterday. You know, it's like we develop, yeah. we develop yeah. everything. And, and that's... Uh, that's our culture that's still there since 2006, I have to say. And we keep going with that. And every single product is like developed under this uh, culture. And of course, like in a different balance with an i3, we went like really step forward. We really went like a lot of steps forward because we felt we have to. We have to like go so much forward that we really pull the rest behind us, you know, to make really big steps forward because we felt we have to. Uh, with other products, we say like this product will be later placed for customers which are like in between somewhere they don't know yet uh, what to choose, you know, they're, yeah. they're willing to choose something new, but they don't mm -hmm. know yet, you know. And uh, so we can't do the big steps on, on one thing. So we have to be a little bit careful on this one, but we have to uh, use the new technology there. You know, it's like we have to balance it out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But yeah. still with all our three uh, main objectives that I just, uh, just mentioned. Um, this is the way we do our design process. And once we, we made all the sketches according to these main objectives and uh, selected the right ones, then, of course, we go like the real process uh, that BMW can provide us here. And, of course, we use then what people know how to build cars here because BMW knows how to build cars <laughs> since 100 years. Why not using it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah absolutely. And they do, do know it quite well in here. So um, how long or how many times do you 
draw a design of a car before getting it right? Like how much of your time do you spend, you know, perfecting a specific design for a car? Huh. In on the drawing phase, just the drawing. On the drawing phase. Uh, I could tell you design is never ever done. I mean, you might have heard it plenty of times from, from designers because we are never done. You could bring the designer of a car to the finished car parking on the road down there and he would say like, ah, can we change this here? And you're like, hey, come on, you're done already since two years because it's in the tools, my friend. But uh, you always find something that you could have done differently, right? But obviously, there is the time where you're done with changing something. So doing those sketches, you know, is it like weeks on end doing different sketches or? It's differently. It's like uh, with everything that is like creative and subjective, nothing is written in a book. If design would have been written in a book, I, I would buy it immediately, you know. <laughs> Sometimes you do your first sketch and then you sketch another two weeks just to find out that your first sketch was the right one. Really? Yeah, and then you find out like, oh, okay, another two weeks of just finding out that the first one was the right one. But anyway, the two weeks were like beneficial because... You needed to go on that journey. Exactly, yeah. because they were beneficial just to find out that the first one was the right one. Sometimes you do yeah. things wrong just to find out what was the writer one, you know? I, I do it every day. I decide what am I going to wear. I go through my different outfits and then I put this first one on. Yeah, I tried on. yeah. <laughs> so, so it's always the thing um, in our team. Sometimes we, we don't know what is right. We just plenty of times find out how it's not right, you know? And yeah. Uh, and so yeah. we slowly come to the point what is yeah lesser wrong, if I could say yeah. that. We, no, I, can, yeah, I, I totally understand what yeah. you're saying. Yeah. You have to just go through that, those, um, those decisions to make yeah. sure that you're, you know, you come back to the beginning to make sure that that one is, is the right decision. So obviously, you know, being head of uh, BMW i design, talk us through what the typical design elements are of the BMW i series. With BMW i, I mean, you just mentioned we've got like, uh, meanwhile, a couple of different products. And of course, they share things like Hofmeister Knick and uh, also the kidney. But uh, for BMW i, they share things like uh, a more subtle uh, things like a clean and precise way of dealing with uh, graphics and volumes. That's uh, what we uh, at, at BMW i um, really like to focus on. And our design at BMW i is always very human-centered, as I just mentioned with our ultimately human approach is meaning that the person is in focus and not the technique itself. I mean, this mm -hmm. is like really, really important. And um, everything that we do in our designs uh, that you could find on all of our cars, everything that we do in our designs has to have a reason to be there. And yeah. That's like to us, like a big part of, of being sustainable, because if you just throw things on the car, which don't have a reason, then it's, it's not sustainable because it's like, why is it there? You know, that so doesn't make sense. Mm -hmm. So, and then, yeah, yeah, it's, it's like, it's waste, right? And, and therefore you have to be sustainable also with what you use. Things have to have a reason. 
you know, also with how you deal with lines, with volumes, with everything that you do. It needs to have a reason and therefore it becomes authentic. And uh, that's how we treat our designs in general. And we also hope that there is like with all the products, like standing then next to each other, people can see that there is like a family coming together, that they look similar, that you can see and feel that they come from one hand, from one family. And of course, here and there, you can see some blue uh, and, and getting them all together. But what we also want to avoid is like creating like symbols and pieces that look exactly the same on all the cars that my people see like, okay, that is like one element that you can identify becoming like BMWi all the time because this might age yeah. very quickly right okay and yeah. this is also not that sustainable because then you have to replace yeah. it but then you have still cars which are there with them and then people might like ah oh, okay mm -hmm. I have this car with this element but now the new car is is out there with a newer one mm -hmm. my one looks then so old And this is not oh, a feeling that we want to give to our customers because we don't feel this is that sustainable. So yeah, we think differently. Yeah, really interesting. So um, I know also as well, uh, you know, off the back of that, BMW i really stands for sustainability without sacrifice. I guess that's slightly to do with what you've just been discussing, but what else can you tell us about it? That's very important to us. Sustainability thinking is very, very important to us from the beginning, because we really think that without uh, the importance of sustainability in products, in uh, how they also interact with their environment and mm -hmm. where they driving and how they interact with the cities and uh, their environment. Without that, we, uh, we can't survive as a company. This is how we really, really uh, believe in as BMWi. And uh, mm -hmm. a lot of times sustainability is like stigmatized with you have to sacrifice something. You know, if I have to be uh, sustainable, mm -hmm. yeah, I can't course. have this. I've got to you know? give something like, up. Yeah, I have to give yeah. something up, mm -hmm. right? And mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, then, of course, if you want to offer a premium product, a lot of people won't accept that. Mm -hmm. And we say, okay, you can't have you you can have a premium product, and we say mm -hmm. you can be sustainable, and we promise to you, you won't feel any sacrifice. The thing mm -hmm. is, mm -hmm. I don't Very say that you won't sacrifice because it might be that you don't have anything that you had before, but you won't mm -hmm. feel any sacrifice, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that's absolutely fascinating because, you know, not just in when it comes to cars, it's, it's with everything, isn't it? That we, we're trying to be more sustainable, whether it's, you know, giving up meat and swapping it for some sort of meat alternative. You feel like you've got to give up something or you're missing out on something, but actually it's just uh, finding the right alternative so that you don't feel like you have sacrificed anything. Yeah. And, and what we say is uh, we, we make it even better for you. <laughs> it's like we promise that uh, we can uh, find out things that we can make it even better for you and we propose you a future where you uh, mm -hmm. um, where the sustainable feel where you can have even luxury without any uh, uh, sacrifice mm -hmm. or surrender yeah. 
Really interesting. I think the other thing is, you know, when it comes to sustainability, so many people are like, oh, well, we'll just do it less. You know, we'll still um, drive our internal combustion engine car to work, but we'll just do it a bit less. You can still drive to work. You don't need to do it less. You don't need to experience the world yep. any less. Just do it in a different way <laughs> and you can yep. be sustainable. Exactly. Um, you don't have to have less fun or something exactly, like this. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> Even more. I can't imagine the the, uh, the next generation are, are going to want to have less fun, that's for sure. <laughs> no, for sure. Now, um, there is actually a feature that most people might not have on their radar yet when it comes to car design, and that's the sound of an EV, which I love. I can honestly, I can hear an electric BMW come from like miles away. It is such a distinctive sound and I can recognise it so easily. Um, but why is the sound of an EV so important when it comes to the sound design? Yeah, sound is uh, really, really important. We just talked about this uh, music experience. And uh, actually, I would like to encourage everybody who's then hearing this uh, podcast to really go into music experience and really listen to what is music doing with everybody who's listening to music. Mm -hmm. uh, music is not just listening to a melody. And if I like this melody and if it's a nice one or if it's making me like dancing or crying or like flipping out or driving aggressively or slowly or whatever. Uh, it's also like if I go close to uh, the speakers, it can feel it. You know, if I can feel a bass, if there is a rhythm that makes me dance like samba style or if it's like uh, just like headbanging or whatever. You know, it's like so many things that does music or sound to me. That's amazing. I mean. I just discovered where my son is like opening the window in the back and you when you drive like 17 you have these uh, this uh, yeah. sound from the windows yeah. and it's like so annoying you know all of a sudden like in in half a second you have a sound that's making you crazy and so annoying and this is also what sound can do to you you know it's like it's like a range of emotions so sound we are all like on the same page is very very important mm -hmm. with the electric vehicles, the first time we have the chance to really use it. When you're honest, it's like the first time we have like a blank page where you where you from scratch, like really use it in all its variety. And to be honest, we didn't got it from the first time because like <laughs> back then I can remember we just enjoyed not to have a sound there. The first thing was like, we don't want any sound because we were so stoked by the fact that there is no sound. We're mm -hmm. like, Really, you want to you want to make a sound in that one because yeah. actually we're like fascinated by the fact there's nothing for now. Yeah. Imagine that. I mean, apartments will raise in price, which are like uh, now low because they're built next to the the biggest it's street raised. in the city, you know. And you have all EVs now, and then they raise in price because it's like silent again. Yeah. But uh, yeah, now that's like really cool and. Uh, I actually enjoy working with our sound designers right now because they show me things that like sound developing within the speed. You know, it's like okay. not only with pressing the pedal, developing with the uh, with the speed of the car, with the acceleration, with the uh, with like slowing down, but also with like the weather, the lighting, uh, with like scenarios when you welcome to the car, like giving mm -hmm. you a warmth welcoming yeah. is like sound that is like in the foreground or like being like really in the background 
it's really, really important. And you know that we have like that uh, great composer from Hollywood, like Hans Zimmer, and you were driving the i4 already. Yes, correct. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I saw it. You enjoyed it though. Oh, Uh, I loved it. I loved it. I always find that the funny part though. It's like sometimes you speak to um, designers that, you know, head of design, all manufacturers, and, you know, sometimes they don't actually get to drive the car for the first few months (laughs) and everyone else gets to drive the car first <laughs> and I, they put all this time into the design and i'm like oh sorry <laughs> no no you shouldn't be sorry because i really like that i mean this is exactly what should happen first get it to the fans and to the customers i mean why should we yeah. drive first drive it no no, no I'm, I'm a very big fan it was absolutely amazing i mean the i4 gosh because of course you've got the i4 and um, e-drive 40 i mean that has a, a range of 366 miles. I mean, that is phenomenal. If you were to say that to someone a couple of years ago, uh, they wouldn't believe you. They'd say you. Were, they'd say you'd made it up. I think it really is a, a spectacular achievement. But um, and so, congratulations on that. I must say that huge congratulations. But how did the design process of the i4 differ from the design process of the other i models? This was um, not more complicated, I have to say. We had to be more specific on this one uh, because obviously we wanted to uh, to be more on point for more customers, though. Right. We really wanted to to tackle more people because mm-hmm. we we wanted to get more people out of their comfort zone mm-hmm. and to to say like, yeah. This is for you people. This is for you guys. We wanted to really get this car more towards the middle, the middle of BMW. You know, it's like this is why we chose the four-door coupe. Mm-hmm. It is more where we have like the more traditional BMW customers, yeah. and we wanted to bring this, yeah, it's, let's say more future technology, more towards our traditional customers, and uh, get them more close towards mm-hmm. the future. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, you effectively want someone almost to step into a car, don't you, without even realising that they're going electric, because for those that are making the switch for the first time, I think, you know, still find it quite a big uh, mental block sometimes if maybe the design of a car is a bit too futuristic or too out there and actually just want to keep it as straightforward as possible, you know. We're very straightforward people, really. We don't like change. <laughs> we like what we know. <laughs> so I think that's kind of what you've achieved there. Um, there's this sense of familiarity, isn't there, with the i4? But at the same time, it does have um, this characteristic design about it. What What would you say are the kind of main elements that really stick out for the i4 that people should be aware of? Yeah, what I would uh, point out to bring like the more traditional world towards the futuristic world, um, what I would personally like to point out that describes this transition uh, quite well is the diffusor in the back. Yes. There is something that comes from the traditional combustion engine world that transitions into the futuristic EV world. Mm -hmm. That is the diffusor, right? Yeah. In a traditional world, you had like exhaust pipes. Of course, they had to be there because obviously you had to have them. And then one thing to show your performance was the amount of them, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So the more, the better, right? The more, the more money you spend on your car. So that's also kind of like a sign of performance, right? And um, the future, you don't need them anymore because obviously an EV doesn't need uh, exhaust pipes anymore. So what do you do with that space there? 
it gives space for efficiency. So we all know a diffusor in the back from uh, racetracks, from uh, racing cars, which could do exhaust pipes on the side. So they also didn't have anyone's in the back or like totally different constructions back there. Instead, they used huge diffusors in the back for aerodynamic reasons. Mm -hmm. So we know these uh, from racetracks. So we can bring this kind of hardcore efficiency from racetracks uh, to the clean world of EVs and at a place where you normally would see like these performance signs from a traditional exhaust pipe world. You know, and this is to me like something where you replace something from an old world with something from a new world with the same kind of emotional attachment. So we took something away mm -hmm. from the old world, but give them something similar from the new world. Mm -hmm. And I believe people won't complain. <laughs> well, they haven't done yet, so uh, <laughs> yeah. I think you've done a good job on that one. Because it makes sense, though. Yeah, well, that's the thing. Exactly. It makes sense. And that's the, the most important part, isn't it? You don't do it just for the sake of it. Um, now, there is this kind of blend, isn't there, of the sportiness and aesthetics. Why was it so important for you to combine the two components of sportiness and the aesthetics at the same time? Yeah, because it's always like from a pure performance point of view i mean if you take a racetrack you know it's yeah. like a racetrack everything that you see on the racetrack is like a beautiness that comes mm -hmm. from a pure performance right yeah. there is nothing been done from a pure beautiness mm -hmm. it's just like it has to work you know and then it looks from a pure functional point of view beautiful you know you take the beauty out of its function right Mm -hmm. uh, sometimes it looks weird out of its function, but you accept it because of its function, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So this is where you take the balance. Sometimes uh, we make things, even though they don't function well, but they look cool, you know? Yeah. So we make it as a fake or it happens as a fake. This is not yeah. how we do it as BMWi. Or I would say BMW in general, but uh, if it works from a functional point of view and from a aesthetic point of view, and, and therefore the aesthetic works, we bring it into the core design and say like, okay, now it becomes like one basic of a design, and then from there we develop a complete design. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So off the back of that then, because um, obviously the kidney grill, you know, uh, a big talking point. At form, at, um, oh, that's the uh, elephant in the room, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's a tricky one, isn't it? Because obviously the kidney grill, uh, it's something that BMW fans are always, always very passionate about and they always have a an opinion on, don't they? Um, but it is a very prominent feature. And um obviously sort of technically it's not necessarily needed as an air vent to cool down the battery that would be there instead of the engine. Um, so tell me about, about a little bit of an insight into the design of that. Yes, I actually like that everybody is passionate about our kidney grill. If people wouldn't, there would not be any need to do that anymore because people wouldn't recognize it anymore. Mm -hmm. And that's like our icon. And um, I'm happy about that people recognize our kidney grill. Yes, we decided to make it uh, more prominent on some of our cars. Uh, 
And uh, in the past, obviously, we talked about it. Domago talked about it. You talked with him about it, I think. Uh, yeah. Our kidney grids had a function uh, serving as like air intakes for our engines. We all know it. Now for our electric vehicles, they are closed. So they are on the I-4. Um, they are closed for aerodynamic reasons. Uh, yeah. they, it's, it's way more efficient to close them up there. Mm -hmm. uh, but also, therefore, we could place some sensors behind them mm -hmm. and integrate some other sensors way more efficiently right, uh, okay. underneath in the kidney there. So we did also on the IX. Yes. So uh, whatever we do there, it's always there with a reason. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, we design our kidney always new. That's for sure. And uh, we design our kidneys always with the character of the product in mind. And we always want to give our cars different characters. So. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's it's a fascinating. Though. It's because also you kind of look back and, on maybe you know when you thought at the time when a new BMW came out the grill was too big or you know you weren't quite sure of it for one reason and now you look back on it and you're like oh it fits the car perfectly. I think it just takes um, everyone a bit of time to get used to, doesn't it? It's just change. That's that's ultimately what it is. It's change that um, that it takes a while to adjust to. If people wouldn't recognize anything that is new. It wouldn't be probably new. Yeah. And uh, now let's talk about the rims because they are super striking um, on the i4. Uh, what's the reason behind that? That's a combination of two worlds, um, mm -hmm. a little bit like the more the traditional world and the new world, because we had like different requirements that at first glance, uh, like fighting each other. And we were sitting there and it's like, oh, damn, how do we deal with it right on one side you have like engineers telling you okay this car has like that much performance we mm -hmm. need like wheels that are stable enough to uh have like this dynamics and they have to go that quick around the corner there and uh, that fast uh, like this and they have to be that stable and you're like oh, okay well, not problem so they have to be that thick and that wide and <laughs> la 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 and then you have aerodynamic guys telling you like, yeah, but uh, they have to be that efficient and they have to be <laughs> that sleek and that closed. And basically they have to be like uh, totally closed because like no holes. And you're like, oh, okay. So they are like completely flat outside. Mm -hmm. And then you have the brake guys telling you like, aha, okay, oh, brakes getting oh. like seriously hot and you know <laughs> you need like these holes in there to get the air out of the brakes. And you're like, okay, can you all sit together and talk to each other? Yeah. Because it's not going together. I think I've worked out what your job is. It's actually you're a mediator. <laughs> Sometimes, you're Mediating yes, between right? all the different parties to try and come up with a solution. And so you have all these guys and they're all right. They're all mm, right because... Mm. These guys are all rocket scientists and they yeah. know best of their job and they all yeah. want the best for the yeah. car. But it simply doesn't go together. Mm -hmm. It simply doesn't go together, all the requirements. So you have to find a way to get it together. And mm -hmm. the good thing is that we as designers don't know anything from what they're talking about, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. because you just know a little bit of everything. 
Sure. And don't go too much into detail from what all these people are saying. You're blessed with not knowing everything from what they're <laughs> saying because you could keep like the big picture in mind. Yeah. And like, it's like, okay, okay, okay. Let's do it that way. We built the wheel basically like you guys want, but you want to have it closed. So actually we close it there with like just a little bit of aluminum piece here so the air could flow around there. But in the middle, we keep it open so that the heat from the brake could come out there. So are you okay there? So it sounds a little naive, but with like the big picture, without knowing too much into detail, all of a sudden it works. And you brought mm -hmm. these people together mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and they say like, oh yeah, it could work. So... <laughs> what we basically did, we cast a traditional wheel and put on right. like uh, a small aluminum pieces been set up from mm -hmm. the top to close up the wheel again and make it efficient from the mm -hmm. aerodynamic point of view. You know? oh, and of course, from a design point of view, we can make it like highly attractive because still like the traditional wheel is shining through. And in mm -hmm. contrast, we bring these uh, these more flatter aluminum pieces as like a more, let's say, futuristic look on top of it. So mm -hmm. this is like a, a nice balance and contrast between like the new world on the aerodynamic efficiency towards like, let's say, the, the more traditional racy world in combination. This is what makes these wheels yeah. like so appealing. And so striking, they do really, really stand out, don't they? And again, it's sort of one of those features that you don't need to see the rest of the car. You can spot it and be like, ah, yeah. that's an I-4, you know, because it, it's such a distinctive part of the car. Um, now, another feature that uh, that I particularly like, and you have to tell me more about it, is I believe, so the <laughs> rear lights, I didn't spot this until somebody mentioned it, but if you look at the lines used in the rear lights, it's actually the same form that a heartbeat yes. takes. Um, now, was that on purpose? No, Did that it's just on happen? purpose. <laughs> was that a coincidence and someone spotted it? Oh, wow. You came up with that idea? We came up with that idea because it's like, we talk, and this is also something that I really like at BMW. You can imagine that even though we are like a lot of car guys and women in here talking a lot about like cars, race, but we also talk a lot about like emotions, love, and these things, mm -hmm. right? And when you talk yeah. about emotions, it's something that is like really not under control. It's something that happens, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and therefore, it's like really hard to talk about it because it's hard to get it in mind and to get it in words, right? This is why poems and yeah. everything, it's yeah. all really hard. And artists, it's like, it's hard to get it in words and write it down and everything. So the heartbeat is something that you don't have under control. Tell me one person who could have his heartbeat under control it's like probably a buddhist monk a deep diver free diver <laughs> oh, okay yes okay yeah yeah you're right but okay, he can only these, do it for two minutes <laughs> no way uh divers right they, they could have it but uh you know it's like if you're excited immediately yeah, yeah, your, sure. your heartbeat rate goes up right Off the scale if yeah. you're scared <laughs> if you're in love if like your emotions mm -hmm. do anything it's like mm -hmm. your heartbeat is like immediate 
reaction. You're totally right. And in Formula E, the electric racing championship that I present, we put heart rate monitors on the drivers and it's fascinating. So, because we can see that telemetry during the race and, you know, some of the drivers, their heart rates are off the scale before the start of the race. Other drivers are very cool and calm. Then you might have a bit of action on track while one's trying to do an overtake. And again, you know, the emotions and the heart rate rockets up and it's fascinating. You're, You're completely right. Yeah, I have a track as well because I yesterday I had a presentation and I freaked out during the presentation. I could see on my heart rate. There's nothing <laughs> I could do about it. And that's the reason why we put like the heartbeat on the taillight because that is like the immediate translation into emotional reaction. Love it. Love it. What a great idea. Very, very cool. That's got, surely, that has got to be the only rear light uh, with a heartbeat <laughs> embedded in it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> brilliant, brilliant. Um, we're almost running out of time, uh, but I think we sort of touched upon the sound design of the i4. But, you know, if I close my eyes and there is an i4 coming down the road, are there any kind of special characteristics that I need to look out for? No, I would say the, uh, the i4 is like kind of more hovering than the i3 it's like Mm -hmm. more dynamic it's like always more on the quicker side the i3 would be more on the relaxed Mm -hmm. more on the cruisy side right yeah yeah the i4 is more on the concord kind of like it's always more on the quicker one Nice. Okay. Well, I'm looking forward to being able to tell if I can (laughs) test myself and recognize the difference. Um, Well, Kai, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. I do have one final question, though. It's quite a big question um, um, to finish up on. And because, of course, like all of your work, everything that BMW is doing around the iSeries, you know, it's huge. And there's so much progress being made, particularly as you, you know, as you said at the beginning of this, this, the sort of iProject came around in what, 2006, like back before anyone was really thinking about electric cars. So there's so much that we're doing at the moment to try and tackle future challenges. But what are your next big challenges that you're facing and that you're going to be tackling? Um, I exactly know what's on my table right now, but uh, I obviously can't talk about these ones, but I probably could talk about what I expect could be like big questions that I would like to tackle okay. all over. Please share. Of course, we have to, to think about What's going on with like urban mobility in general, with like big cities and uh, like when cities start growing and like urban centers becoming like mega cities and even bigger and like uh, city centers like spreading out and becoming like Mm -hmm. even bigger uh, surroundings. Um, I would like to see how like autonomous uh, mobility is developing because I strongly believe in that yeah. it would be amazing if if uh, cars could drive completely fully autonomously. I couldn't wait. Actually, I couldn't yeah. wait because I would love it if I don't have to drive on my own to work. I'm with you. <laughs> I, I would love if I could only drive on my own if I really want to and therefore to have fun. Yeah, exactly. Um, I would love to. I mean, I know that technology exists for that. It's just a matter of like volumes and uh, bits and bytes and calculating power and everything and infrastructure. And also these are possibilities for safety and and all these things. And uh, Mm -hmm. yeah, I would love to work on still sustainability solutions and also on um, what I love on giving back to society, how, how cars like interact with the society Mm -hmm. and uh, also with the cities and their environment Mm -hmm. in the Mm -hmm. future. 
It's like not standing well, around and wasting space. Well, and you, you said you were busy, but solving urban mobility and uh, autonomy, that's definitely going to keep you busy for the next few decades, that's for sure. I hope so. <laughs> I hope so. Yeah. Um, well, Kai Langer, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. Um, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. It was my pleasure. Thank you for inviting me, Nikki. Oh, it's our pleasure. Um, and thank you to all of our lovely listeners for tuning in for another episode of Changing Lanes. And if you do want to catch the other episode that Kai has already recorded with Jonathan, then do go to episode number 42 of Changing Lanes. It's called The Creative Mind Behind a BMW I. Uh, I would thoroughly recommend listening to it. It is a good one. Anyway, once again, thank you so much to all of our listeners for tuning in for another episode of Changing Lanes. And we'll see you very soon. <laughs>